Welcome to the Joy Bruce Audio Podcast. Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce is a blessed daughter of Bishop Dyke Heward Mills and the pastor of the First Love Church, Adiasi. These messages contain practical wisdom that will transform you and provide focus and direction for your life. Listen and be blessed as she shares with you wisdom from the Word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Reverend. Amen. Okay, so we'll continue one more session, which I believe that if God has not answered you in the first one, or maybe He's answered, but He's adding a top up. So thank you for this session. Amen. Um, before I share what I believe I want to go into, let me just point you quickly to two books also within, you know, all these books, you can find the single ones, but if you get the pack, everything is inside. The first one is the mega church, and in here are so many um, church growth principles, amen, church growth principles, things that help us. Now, we know that as for prayer, we are doing the fasting, we're doing what other things are there in addition. This book is a very good, what I shared with you on numbers, how to count, it's in here, talks about 14 numbers you must know about your church. There's a whole chapter at the end talking about um, principles for church growth, but my favorite chapter here is retention evangelism, what I was sharing with you about how you handle your visitors. So please don't go without a copy. It talks also about how to raise the commitment level of your people. You know how you have church members, any wind that blows, any small thing, they are not in church, but you want to increase the number of people who are committed to church. You know they are your church members. How to have permanent members, how to increase their commitment is all in this book. Then we also have the Transform, Transform Your Pastoral Ministry, which is a book about the work of a pastor, the prayer work, visitation, counseling of your people, interacting with them. And all the sections are interesting. And the prayer section has some very interesting and special prayer topics, like how to make sure to pray so that your church does not degenerate. You know, sometimes it builds to a point you would have thought that it would stay there, but it begins to decline. And how to prevent that to hap- by, from happening by prayer. And so many other good topics are here. It also has a whole section on visiting, how to visit and make sure that your visits have an impact. Amen. On the people who you visit. But for this next session, I would like to go into a bit more detail, something I mentioned in passing. And I want to start by reading a story. It's a true story which Bishop Doug has written about in here. It's entitled The Pineapple Patch. If you meet any um, lighthouse pastor, you ask him, what's the pineapple patch? If he cannot tell you, he's worthy of sucking. Because, (laughs) you know, we always have some term that we are using. The pineapple patch is one that every pastor knows about. And this is the original story. I want to read it to you. It says, one day as I was walking on a hillside, I saw something which I want to share with you. I was praying in tongues and walking along a footpath on one of the hills in Ghana. This was in, actually in the Ibri area. The entire hillside was covered with wild bushes and tall untamed grass. As I walked along, I saw a section within the wild grass measuring about 20 meters by 20 meters. In that particular section, there were neatly planted pineapple plants. 
I could see the baby pineapples sprouting. The section of the hill of the hillside, that section of the hillside was very different from the rest of the surroundings. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, That section of the hillside is different because certain seeds have been planted there. That area of the hillside is different because some special investment has been made on that patch of ground. The Lord told me that the rest of the hillside can be likened to the general congregation which receives the general rainfall. The special special patch of ground which was yielding pineapples can be yield, can be likened to the leadership of the church. If you invest in a particular area, it will yield what you want it to yield. Many people do not invest in their leaders. If you invest in, in potential leaders, you will harvest a crop of well-seasoned leaders. I spend more time with my leaders than I do with the general congregation. Hallelujah. Now, this um, little story is actually the secret that lies behind the the ability to get lay people to lift up the work of the ministry. It is from this um, story. After this encounter that he had, Bishop then began to teach and to um, pour a lot into a group of people who actually at the beginning were not leaders. Are you, are you following me? They are not leaders. They were just, we were just normal people in the church. So as you go back to your church, you will see that there's the general church there. How are you going to know who to pull aside and to invest in? Are you with me? Because you can see that this is not something that everybody is a part of. How can you recognize the pineapple patch in your church? Because when you recognize them and you see that this is the pineapple patch, this is a potential seedling, this is the one that if I pull them aside and I put some fertilizer and some water and I keep on stirring the ground, in a while I will get a fruit. I will get fruit. And that is the subject of this session that we are about to have. Amen. What should you look for? How in the middle of everything that is going on should, will you identify that pineapple patch? Point number one. Look at your people. The first thing you are looking for is a personal relationship with God. A personal relationship with God. Our church is full of people. Church is full of people who say they are Christian, but Sometimes there's no evidence of it. So this is just one. There's so many points. So this is just one. At least look for somebody who clearly has a relationship with God. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You will find that people who have a personal relationship with God have a way of relating. Amen. Even with you as their pastor. The second thing, what is their interest in the word of God? What is their interest? What is their interest in the word of God? 
You will find out, for instance, that there is a portion of your congregation who are active for everything else except the word. As soon as the word comes, they are tired, they are sleepy, they give you a feeling that they are not interested. They are very easy to see. But it's also easy to see those who are quite interested in the word. And there's a scripture. It's a very important point because there's a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 2 which says that, And the Spirit entered into me as he spake unto me and set me upon my feet. So as you are preaching, you will see that there are people who are clearly stared. It doesn't necessarily mean they are shouting. And don't be moved by some shouting. Some people are only making noise. Yeah, some are just noise makers. But when somebody is stirred, week after week, meeting after meeting, you see the person's, um, should I say, the seriousness attached to the word. You know you are looking at a good candidate. Sometimes such people can even come back to you with a question. And the question is evidence that what you said, they have not just put it down. They've thought about it. You will see such people seriously making a serious note. Of something you have said. Or trying to type it out on the phone. Trying to write something. You know, even their attention to you as you speak is an indication of how serious they are. If you were to pay a visit to the homes of such people, sometimes as you enter into the house. You know, I have a lady, a dressmaker in Accra. One of the things I like about her, no matter the time of the day, you walk into her house. The word of God is being preached. There's a message being preached. There is something gospel. You, you don't have to think about it. I don't think I've ever been there and there is a Shatawale. <laughs> Who's missing? I wouldn't recognize anyway. <laughs> or or uh, this young lady who just passed. Ebony's. No, 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 no. And it doesn't matter. You can get there at an unexpected time. She's not expecting you. But you will hear. It's the word of God. You clearly see that this is a Christian who is, she's working, she's working. But even in her work environment, which is in, under her control, you can see what she's listening to. I am not surprised that she's very active in her church. Amen. So, these, I'm giving you the signs of people who are the potential that you can draw. So, they are not yet doing much. But you as the pastor are looking, who should I invite to this meeting? Who should I try to draw? Sometimes you can just do a general announcement. But you see that as you make a general announcement, well, I'm going to be having a meeting today. If you are here, you want to do something extra for the Lord, join us. It's a general announcement. I can show you those who will fall out. Those who fall asleep as soon as you start talking, they will not last. They will not last. Amen? Those who are distracted as soon as you start talking, they will not last. And you see that somebody who values your, your teaching, values your word, is a good example. The personal fasting life of the person. The personal fasting life. How do you know when a person is fasting? Often, you cannot tell what is happening at home. But you can see it in the responses to periods of fasting in the church. Somebody who never fasts. When you say we are having one week fasting, you will not see them. You will not see them at all. Not closely. If you were saying that we have a two week prophetic meeting with prophet, they will be there. But uh, 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 three days, 
Prayer fasting, they will not turn up. We cannot, you know, some of these things, we cannot know them 100% because we are not in the heart of a person. But it's just the signs that you are looking for. Amen. So somebody who doesn't turn up for prayer and fasting. And you see, when you observe it, you see a lot of things. For instance, you will notice that you have members in your church who have jobs that are very demanding. So maybe the person works in a bank, you know, the kind of place where their time is not their own. But you'll be surprised that such a person, you declare prayer and fasting, you suddenly discover the lunchtime break uh, prayer. That person has arrived, had a time of prayer, and gone back. It's a good sign. It's a good sign. So even though they have a job, because all the people we are talking about are lay people. They are people already working in something. But you see them making the time. Look at your traders who have their own kiosk, their own table, their own shop. But you said we are doing prayer and fasting and you see them close for a certain period of time. Come in, do some prayer. You, you, you realize something is possible. Which leads me to the next point. And this point is probably the most... Um, the most visible, and that is the availability of the person. The availability of the person. Hallelujah. You want to see whether this person is somebody you can invest time in. Pastor, you yourself are not idle. You are also busy. Out of your busy time, you are going to carve a little bit of time to bring up some people who will be working in the ministry. You want to be working with people who are also, in spite of their busy time, making themselves available. Hallelujah. You know, this dressmaker I was talking about, one day I was coming from Kumasi, and I called her and said, Oh, I'm on my way to Accra. I'll be coming to see you. It was a Thursday. And the lady said, Oh, Pastor, please, oh, as for Thursday morning, I go to Turning Point at the Kodesh. So please, if you are coming in the evening. I was impressed because I said to myself, somebody who, you know, most dressmakers, they say they are busy. They will not make time for God. But here's this lady, every Thursday, she's available to go for a prayer meeting. Every Thursday. Do you think it will not affect her? It will affect her. After all, as I said, I was coming. I'm carrying the money for the thing she has made. Yeah, some people will look at the money and say, because of the money, I have to stay and wait. But this lady was, please, I have to go to my prayer. I have to go to my prayer. I am available for the work of God. Pastor, look for the people who are available. Now, there is something called the perfect excuse. The the perfect excuse is the type of excuse that you won't have anything to say. So, for example, if you say that um, on... I'm looking for an example. Um, on Friday, we are going to have a time of um, prayer. And the person comes and says, Pastor, you know I work in a bank. Every Friday, we round up our activities for the week. So I cannot come. It's a perfect excuse. What are you going to say? Oh, please, Pastor, what are you going to say? You can't say anything. You can't say anything. But you are looking for the kind of person who, in spite of the perfect excuse, the person is maneuvering. Uh The person is maneuvering. So you will see that there are some people who are always maneuvering to come and to have time for God. 
a very nice case in point I can use are the nurses who also have a job, this kind of job, I'm on duty. I'm not. You will find out among your nurses that there are some nurses of the same level. Some always have a perfect excuse, I'm on duty. And some are always in church. They have decided to be available. Hallelujah. They have decided that is a good sign. Pick the one, leave the one who is always saying, My hey, if we cannot pay you, so if you have you have said your job, we have to just leave you. But that one who you see striving and forcing, that's a very good sign. That's a sign of a seed that if you water it and you plant, I mean you fertilize it, it will give you some very good fruit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to use as an example. You know, this is an extreme example again, but it was a demonstration to me. There was this nurse in our church, she's still in church, and we were going to have a meeting. And this lady would always uh, calculate and, you know, maneuver with her shadow. She always made sure that she had a very good relation with every nurse on the ward so that if in case she has to go to church then she'll come and say sister Anita please can I switch with you can you do my shift for me so that I will do your shift for you so she was always doing these kind of maneuvers sometimes she would do night duty just knowing that if she does night duty for every how many days then they get some free days and she would have calculated maybe there's a camp going on something but one day she had run out of all options. There were no options left. She had done all the exchanges she could do. She had done all the maneuvers that she could do. And when such a person comes and says, oh, this one, I said, oh, me, I understand you. You are always maneuvering. Then she looked at me. She said, mommy, I will be there. And I said to her, don't go and do something dangerous. So that you, she said, oh, I will not. I will be there. So I was now wondering, what is this lady going to do? Can I tell you what she was going to do? (laughs) Or what she did? Because she didn't tell me until after. The meeting was on a Friday. And the rest of us were meeting because it was a public holiday. So for most of us, it was no problem. But she was on duty. What did she do? This young lady likes pepe pan. But she knows that when she eats pepe, she gets a runny stomach. <laughs> on Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday, she loaded the pepper with her kinky and ate it well. Then she arrived at work on Thursday. Mm. They were sitting down, washroom and back, washroom and back. After a few hours, her entire What's wrong? She's in charge. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey! hey my stomach. And they were all witnesses. By about 12 o'clock, he in charge. No, no, no. You cannot continue like this. You have to go home. Go home, okay? Go home. It will be alright. Go home. So she arrived. <laughs> On Thursday, Friday early morning, in charge called. Stay at home, eh? I hope you are getting better. <laughs> and she said, "Please, I'm getting better." Her in charge would have fainted to know that she was standing there fully dressed. And 
to the meeting. Hallelujah. What am I saying? I'm saying that you see, you see the desire to be available. Hallelujah. You know, if even it had not worked that day, you see the desire. And when you look in your congregations, you see people like that. There are people who on Friday night, you have had the prayer meeting. The prayer meeting is closing at 8. 10 minutes to 8, you see them running and coming. They have now closed. Somebody else would have said, why should I come? It's late. The day is over. The prayer is finished. I'm going home. But this one person has decided that, yes, it's almost over. I slept with five minutes. I'll get five minutes. And the person is running in to just end with you. That's a good seed. That's a good seed. Hallelujah. That's a good seed. That's the kind of person, if you now draw them together on a Sunday and give an additional teaching, you will see something coming up. Let's see if I can find a few more pointers for you. And in fact, for availability, the scripture is Acts chapter 1 and verse 21. Remember, after Judas was dead and gone, and um, it says, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. What they were saying was that they were looking for a replacement for Judas. And they could have picked from anybody who was part of, um, you know, those following Christ. But look at the criteria they gave. The one who was available. The one who made themselves available. As we were going and coming with Jesus Christ. The person was not a disciple, but was going and coming. You are also looking for the person who is not a pastor. Some of them are not anything. They don't have any title. But the person is also following closely and making themselves available. Hallelujah. Point number five. The next point. You want to look at that individual's financial input. Their financial input. You are not thinking now in terms of amount. No. Many times you don't even know your persons. I don't know how you do the tithe, but many times we don't know their income. But you see that the person is tithing. You see that the person is adding his bit. There are some people in the church, they have been in the church for years. They have never tithed or whatever system you have. Maybe your church has dues, they've never paid their dues. Maybe in your church it is offering, they have never paid the offering. Such a person, you see, Jesus taught us, where we put our money, that's where our heart will be. Yeah. So you are doing your harvest. The person never brings anything. it's, It's a bit worrying. And it's a sign that the heart is not totally with you. Yeah, amen. You will see people. You know, I had a lady who, in fact, when she married, she changed church to her husband's church. But you know, this lady was so determined. In our church, we take the tithe, one tenth of income. This lady was, um, she was illiterate, but her husband was literate. And the lady wanted to pay her tithe. But she realized that she couldn't calculate it. And she came to me one day and she said, if I ask my husband, he can calculate it. But if he knows that it's tight, I'm going to pay. He will ban me from paying it. Are you, are you following? So, this lady, she decided, I said, well, estimate it. Because we also cannot come and say, bring your books and let us see. You know, this woman would regularly just make certain, um, what should I call them? Sacrifices, if you like. She would just decide that. This is my tithe. This is my tithe. Because she couldn't calculate. She realized that either one person could help her, will stop her. So you see that it's a certain kind of heart. Because another person would have said, Ah, I don't know what it is. 
I cannot pay it. I, I hope you get Or we'll even go to the husband to calculate so that they can come and tell you that my husband said, I shouldn't pay anything. But you see the heart. I must have a financial input into what is going on. And I will see this lady each month just try and do something. At a point we were trying to do the floor of our church. We had gathered as a church to carry the, uh, what do you call it, the gravels in. And the lady just came and said, everybody who is here has provided free water. If you can imagine about a hundred people free water from morning till about twelve carrying, you know. And then she said, when you are done, I also have kinke for everybody. To her, it was her time. I hope you get what I'm trying to say. She realized, I don't know how to give it a money, but I'm giving it to my church in a way. It's a good heart. That's the point I'm trying to raise. It's a good heart. So what's the financial input of those people? Because Judas was a kind of person. Let's look at Matthew 26, from verse 14 to 16. The twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said to them, what will ye give me that I will deliver him to you? And they co- covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray them. You know. And, and, and so here is this man unfaithful with unrighteous mammon. You know. The Bible says he was a thief. I think it's John who tells us that. John is the one who tells us that Judas was actually stealing. And the Bible says that the one who is unfaithful with unrighteous mammon will also be unfaithful to God. So this person that you are looking for to gather as your pineapple patch must be somebody whose financial input you have an idea about. The person is trying. The person is trying. Hallelujah. Amen. Number six. The person's people handling skills. People handling skills. How does the person behave in church? The person's people handling skills. There are some people, even when there's nothing to quarrel about, they will quarrel. Hmm. Is it true or it's not true? Yeah. So they may be skilled, though, but that's not the kind of person you want in your pineapple patch. Because they will quarrel with your members and drive them away. Yeah. Or they will speak to them in a certain way. There are people who feel very big. And they feel and they look down on other people. And you want to bring such a person (laughs) as one of your leaders. They will misrepresent you. They will misrepresent you. They will go to somebody's house and they will go and say what they should not say. Hey, is it true or is it not true? (laughs) So you are watching. How does the person relate? How does the person relate? And pastor, everybody is respectful for, towards you. So please, don't use how they relate to you. Don't use that one. Yeah. I said, oh, pastor, hello, yeah, pastor. Flesta, please, what did you say? He said, I would like to come and help you in your house. Mm. That's why we cannot work with it. But just watch in your church. How does the person handle other people? Hey, move from that place. Move, move, move it, move. Mm. You see, now you are not there. It's not you. Now the person is relating to church members. There are some people, when they see somebody who is poor, the way they speak to them. There are some, somebody who is older than them, no respect for people who are older. Hey, madam, move from that place. <laughs> the lady has, is an older lady who has sat in the seat of an usher. 
And the person has to, instead of, oh, madam, please, I'm really sorry, please, this is an usher seat. Can I, can I please find? Look, you are sitting in the wrong place. It's an usher's chair. Just move. You just move. Don't that the usher has been sitting here. You know, shouldn't be sitting here. You can see that such a person, if you empower them, you will destroy your church. They will use the power you have given them to scatter everything in the church. Are you in the house? I remember one day when a young lady was crying in my church. She had gone to follow somebody. She had chased the person up. She had witnessed to the person. And she said, come to church. And the person would... The one time when the person came to church with her, she finally managed. She said, oh, okay, because you are troubling me, I'm coming to church. So they sat at a place. Then somebody came. Hmm. Somebody. Look, this place that you are sitting, you are not supposed to be sitting over there. Pastor said you shouldn't sit here. Nobody should sit at this place. So she got up to try to explain to the gentleman that please, for today, look, the way I have struggled, I beg you, just, no, 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 I will not hear anything that you are saying. I said, by the time she turned back, Otilo, the guy was gone. The person was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was from the mishandling. It was from the mishandling. So when you empower such a person, you see, so that Asher who did that, he is one of my longest serving Ashers in the church. I have never given him additional powers. Eh, he'll finish the church for me. <laughs> never. Because that day he was actually implementing an instruction. We have an overflow. People sit outside. And we had realized that when some people, there are places inside, but because they want to chat, they'll sit outside. So that day, the decision was taken that everybody should move in. And then only when in is full, then you can be here. So inside was not yet full. But this is a different situation from what was described. No, 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 you cannot. Listen. Oh, you have even seen that she's sitting with every staff. That alone should have, yeah, calmed you down. You know, so the young man here has been in the church a long time, but I cannot, I cannot say much. Hey, Reverend, if I give him any authority, what will happen to the church members? What will happen to them? Yeah, yes, please. Oh, okay, I thought you were asking a question. Yeah, but but it's very very important. I have a young congregation because of where my church is situated, but in the middle of that young congregation, I have some really older people. I cannot have a young person who will go and handle the older people like the younger people. Hey, it cannot be done. At all. At all. Hallelujah. And so if you have one of these people with very poor people handling skills, you see that you will lose, I would have lost this my older congregation who are just as loved and just as needed. Hallelujah. The fact that they don't make as much, much noise as the younger people does not make them any less valuable. In fact, if anything at all, they are the stable members who are always here. You young people, you come and go. <laughs> yeah, you come and go. Hallelujah. So please watch the people handling skills. And I need you to sometimes to just check as you have put people in charge of your worship choir, your main choir, any grouping. Watch how they handle their people. Some people are not good. They are not good. And some will change when you speak. And some will never change. Some will never change. You still love them. They are your sheep. But don't put them in charge of anybody. Wow. 
Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three, verses two and three. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy or filthy lacquer, but patient, not a brawler not contentious. You know, these people, a bishop is a higher level of a shepherd, but we're not dealing with that level. We're talking about, you know, the level where, in, uh, what should I say, a, a, a leader in the church. But it's that same leader who will rise up and become, so it's the same point. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. That's a leader at a different level. You know, and you see the things that are put there. It's amazing to me that it's not even talking about the person's scripture knowledge and prayer. I think it is assumed. I think it is assumed. But here it's talking about people handling. It says, husband of one wife. There are some young men, if you put them in charge of the choir, hey, hmm. <laughs> and they look innocent, oh. They look innocent. One such entered one of our choirs. Reverend. By the time he was being found, he had cleared 21 girls in the choir. Yeah. And nobody, nobody, nobody knew. None of them spoke until one day one of the girls, my name said, broken heart was a day she <laughs> so she just got up and walked to the pastor and said, This is what has happened. And the pastor of that chair said, Ah, what are you saying? So when she started talking, he said, Oh, how? Let's investigate. Of course, the gentleman denied it. But by that time, the other 20 had heard. And then they started. Oh, in fact, if it was a pity. It was a pity. The most painful part about it is that the young man was so talented. Oh, I mean, I tell you, I tell you. Ah, so talented. He was a pastor in training. He had been sent to an area. He had started a church. When his colleagues who he was sent with, their churches were 10 people, 15. His church had already hit 120 and was growing. And we all thought it was anointing or suffer. It was a different kind of anointing that was working. Let me kind of say. You know, we try to help it, but sometimes you, you get a shock. You know, sometimes you think it should be obvious. You know, that such a person would... Look, he looks so holy. Yeah, but even when they tell you, you almost don't believe. Hey, mm. watch out. Vigilant, sober, sober, of good behavior. Some of the people in church are not sober at all. Not sober at all. Hey, I don't want to start giving examples. You say only bad people are in my church. <laughs> But I think that we are pastors here and I think that you know what I'm talking about. Some people are not sober at all. A, a, a lady can be in the church and she's working in the church to the neglect of her home. She's not sober. She's not sober. You cannot come and say that I've come to lift up my hands 
in the <laughs> church. Meanwhile, breakfast is not a known meal in your house. <laughs> and there are more and more of them coming because nowadays the educational system makes it difficult to train the young ladies. Yeah, they are in classes all the time before you are aware as a young lady. And then she's getting married and she doesn't know that breakfast is a meal that is eaten in the house. <laughs> hey, take away. The whole house is being fed from the streets. It's, it's not, uh, you are not sober. You are not sober. We also have young men who are coming up who do not know that it's not just to marry a wife, but the Bible says if you don't take care of your home, you are like, you are an infidel. Yeah. I've had a few shocks in the ministry. I've had one of my own sons in the ministry. When he married, till today, we cannot get him to take care of the family. At all. <laughs> till today. Till today. <laughs> when I say to take care, nothing. Pastor, this one, I'm not a, no, no exaggeration, no. Nothing. He can be there. One of the days when the wife finally called me, there was nothing in the house. Even the pampers the baby would wear. When I arrived, the man had gone to buy an orange pair of kambu to match the orange t-shirt he was wearing to play. Why a combination? Or the basketball? I'm talking about a married man. I'm talking about an adult. There were no chairs in the house. When the wife finally from her pay, they were going to name the child and she just felt, oh, I mean, let me, you know, she went and bought some five, six plastic chairs. He came, he was angry with her. If you are going to buy chairs, is it plastic ones? You? It's real. Yeah. It's a real life human being. Real life human being. <laughs> but you see, what I'm saying is that the person is not sober. And no matter, you know, every level of pastor has spoken. It has not changed. Yeah, it has not changed. In the, <laughs> in the end, it's almost like it is the church that takes care of his family. Yeah. We even had a house where we, where we have in Tamale, when we moved out. Then my husband said, look, the wife was struggling, trying to uh, pay, um, gather rent. Then my husband said, okay, now I know what I'll do. The outhouse that is there is a good size. So, I'm going to put him there so that this one, he'll have to pay me the rent. Oh. So, for the guy has been living there. I think this is like year six. He has not paid one kobo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my husband was saying, so that at least I can monitor out of shyness for me, his spiritual father. If I even say 20 CDs a month, he will, oh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. So such a person is not sober. And not the one you want to invest in. And I mean, no matter the word of God that has been brought to bear, you cannot hear. Mercy. Oh, auntie, auntie, she, auntie, she. Hey! Tell your neighbor, be sober, oh, be sober, be sober. It goes on to say, of good behavior. I would have thought there was a time when Christianity meant good behavior. But now it's not so. It's not so. The person says that he's a, he or she is a Christian, but their behavior is not good. Hmm. And, and, and they are in our churches. Plenty. Yeah. They are in our churches. When you see 
a Christian choir, a non-Christian choir, and a Christian choir, there's no difference. There's no difference. The behavior is not good. And when we see it, I think we must see what we are seeing. Let us not take them and say, oh, it is true that the Lord changes people, but we are talking about your pineapple patch. Those who you are going to be gathering and investing time. Please leave that one in the general congregation. Let the general word be working until you see a change. Otherwise, they will scatter your home. They will scatter your home. I have a young lady like that who lives in my house. She was not living with me. She was somewhere. And certain circumstances brought her. But I I had known her for a long time. And so I was just waiting. After about maybe six months, I was in my house when I got, I was in my office when I got a call. And the call was from one of the younger ladies. You know, I, have, I don't have my own um, sons, I have um, daughters. I have sons, but my, I have a lot of friends' daughters who live with me. This was one of the younger ladies. And she called and she said, Mommy, I've never seen a thing like this in the house. Hey, this lady, she has, she's insulting one of the gentlemen. The man she was insulting is a 30-year-old man. Who she had taken. So when I arrived in the house... Then I said, you, you have brought your things here. Then she said, mommy, will you not ask what happened? I said, I will not ask. I said, because before you came, we have been here eight years. Never have I got a call. Never have I got a call that there's a quarrel in my house. Till you came. Till you came. So me, I thought I had been very severe until I heard my husband my husband heard of it and called the young man and told the young man go there, pick out her things and throw her out of the house and my husband is a very cool man <laughs> very quiet man but I'm talking about the person who the behavior is not good and some of them they don't change she thought she had a case anyway People handling skills. Please, let us watch these people handling skills. There's also a group of people that I just want to turn your mind to. There are some people who come to you as a pastor and then you trust them, but they give you false information about other people. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and as a pastor, I pray you will make it your prayer that Lord, let me see, let me know what I must know. Yeah, some people are unscrupulous and because they don't want this person to you know, come close or to do well or they see that as a pastor you are beginning to like somebody they deliberately yeah, put in something there yeah. Yeah. recently I was at a meeting where a senior person spoke about a young man like that and later on it turned out everything he said was not true and it was just a way to spoil things. Yeah. But when we are aware of it, God will give us the wisdom and help us to see beyond what is visible with the eye. The next point, the person that you are looking for in your pineapple patch should be interested in evangelism. Because you as a pastor, you are also interested in souls. So they must also be interested. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 12 says, How think you? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seek that which is gone astray? And many times when the person sees that you yourself are interested in such people, you will see the person making an effort to come and to be interested in evangelism. So you are going on evangelism, you are going on a program, the person makes no move at all to take any part 
to do something. You know, there are some people, they realize they are tight, but you see, they even support you to go. They support. Some people, as soon as you say one, two, three, they are in there supporting. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Yeah. Assemblies, I think you have, a, in your missions week, you gather um, clothing, you gather things, you see that some of those people, they are always the first. Every time they have, you know, put it in their plan that my church, this is what we do. So, you know, as pastor, I will not let pastor talk a lot. I've already made my pastor for the year. That's a good sign. And that's a good person to consider for your pineapple patch. Somebody interested in evangelism. Let me quickly go through the rest. The persons visiting, counseling, and organizational abilities. The persons visiting, counseling, and organizational abilities. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Apt to teach and patient. So, you'll see that as you begin to talk with these people, you send them. One of the very good tests you can do is to send the person to visit somebody on your behalf. And then follow up. When the person is very good material, you'll get a good report. Oh yes, Uh, this person came, he said you had sent him, he brought us a greeting, he shared a word, or he brought us something. There are some people as they are going to just buy a few oranges. Oh, pastor said you have not been well as I was coming, and he said I should bring you these oranges. Meanwhile, you didn't send it to. But the person who is just thinking, I'm going to visit somebody who has not been well. Are, Are you with me? Then you see that that's somebody with some good characteristics. Amen. Are they able to organize people? Are they able to organize? In the church, one of the things we need most of all are people who can organize people. Yeah. When there's an outdooring, who organizes people to go? Who makes sure they go? When there's a wedding and the person, one is from your church, one is from the other, who makes sure that some people go? When there's a funeral, who makes sure that some people go? You may say that it is the pastor, but it's not only the pastor. Because the church is growing. The church is growing. And, and so somebody, one of the things you can, there are some people who are able to remind you of the funerals and who will even say, Pastor, we can get a bus that will take the people. You, it's just something you are seeing. That's a good person to think of, to have in your pineapple patch. Hallelujah. The next point, if the person is married, you just want to see what kind of marriage or how the marriage is. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So you want to have a look. How is that house working? Are the children alright? Or are they neglected? Are the couple fighting? Because if they are fighting, it will affect your ministry. They cannot come because they were fighting. Hey! Mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's move on. The next point. Look for people who are catching the spirit of the leader. They are catching the spirit of the leader. And for our scripture, let's look at Numbers eleven twenty-four to 25. 
catching the spirit of the leader. The Lord came down in a cloud and spoke unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders and it came to pass when the spirit rested upon them they prophesied and did not cease. So choose somebody who has caught the spirit of the leader. It will prevent disunity. What does it mean? What is the spirit on the leader? What is the focus of the leader? What is the leader geared towards? Has the person caught it? So for example, an assembly's church has certain characteristics. You have a mission time, you have several things. The person is thinking about something else. It will be a conflict if you pick them there. Because missions week, when pastor says, we are going on this given week somewhere. The person will say, oh, but I organized some other people. We are going to, um, what other program? Uh-huh. There's a, a boy White is coming to a <laughs> culture center. So we have organized to go. You see, the person's spirit is, the person is not flowing with you. The person may have made that arrangement as something his uncle Ebo White's place are very nice, very nice Christian uh, things. He may have made that arrangement earlier, but now that he has seen that it has fallen in the week when the leader he is following is taking the church to missions, that person he shouldn't even come to tell you. He should go and sell his tickets. Yeah, enjoy. He cannot come and say, oh, pastor would have gone, but you know, we bought the tickets. You bought what? If you have the spirit on your leader, you are following and going where he is going. The thing that moves him is what is moving you. When you bought those tickets, you thought it was a free week. Then you discover, it's not free. Go and sell the tickets. They will always sell. And just follow. The spirit of your leader. The spirit of your leader. And every leader you see has something that moves him. You see that Bishop Dag, for instance, the thing that moves him is the winning of souls. Winning of souls is first. Planting of churches is number two. And everything else is number three, four, five, twenty-five, fifty. Yeah. So, so if you are with him, your mind is on the souls. How many souls? How many souls have been won? What can I do to win more souls? How many people have heard about this, the evangel- I mean, about Jesus Christ? Because that's the spirit of the leader. But if you come and then you say, oh, in my branch of the church, um, this year we have uh, released 24 albums of gospel music. It's good. But that's not where your leader is going. That one too is needed in the house of God. But that's somebody else's burden. I don't know if you follow what I'm trying to say. So the one who has that burden, that will be their aim. And they'll produce the music for the rest of us to be singing it. Amen. What is the spirit on your leader? And you see it in the people. When you see it in a person, you know this is somebody who should be in my pineapple patch. Amen. The next point, the person's relationship with the opposite sex. First Timothy chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Rebuke not an elder but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as Sisters with all purity. Hallelujah. Then you look at the person's loyalty. How loyal is the person to the church? If the person is an Assemblies of God member, Assemblies of God is everywhere in Ghana. True or false? Yeah. 
So if you come and say, I went to uh, what town? Um, Sunyani. And I went to another church. I will question your loyalty because assembly is there. Or you don't see the point I'm making. If the person even goes to a town where there's no assemblies, which church relates uh-huh, to assemblies? That's where the person should go. But when the person comes and tells you that I went to... <laughs> then you begin to question the loyalty. Or you don't see what I'm trying to do. Your church is there. It's everywhere. Where it is not, a friend of the church is there. But now you didn't go to your, your church. You didn't go to the friend of the church. You have gone to some um, Kelewele. <laughs> some of the names of churches have become very uh, very uh, very interesting. And they are real churches. Run for your life. It's a church with branches. <laughs> All kinds of um, <laughs> Father, forgive me. <laughs> Maybe he slept. I had a vision, and I'm here laughing at the title. <laughs> Amen. You know, his loyalty is tested by the fact that he has moved or he has been transferred. But when he's transferred, what he does there is an important indication. And you see that people who are very loyal to you, they strive to be around. They strive. The person may even have been transferred to the next town, but you see that they are always, as soon as they have an opportunity, they are around. Hallelujah. I'm ending very soon. Check the person's personal, financial, and job stability. Because James chapter 1 and verse 8 says, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We are living in a context right now where jobs are not easy to get. That is true. But there are also some people, when you go and see, they can't hold a job. Yeah. They cannot hold a job. I know a young man like that. The maximum he has held a job is one year. So after three, four, five, six, seven months, something will happen in the work and he will be sacked. Yeah. Then he will go. Then he will get another job. And he will be there. Then after some few months, then he'll be sacked. You know, so you see a lot of instability. And if you draw such a person close and spend time with him, he may not change and you would have poured all your work down the drain. Because you are investing in this pineapple patch because of the fruit you are expecting to see. You are expecting to raise a crop of leaders who are going to help you. This unstable person will not remain long enough to help you. Hallelujah. And the last one, you are looking at somebody who has a vision. Somebody who is going somewhere. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Hallelujah. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Sometimes you meet people who have too many visions at the same time. They are looking at too many things. They will not commit to you. They will not commit to you. So they want to do this one. So the eye, you see when you look inside a bottle like that, you can see inside. But when the eyes are too trying to look, <laughs> are trying to look into several bottles, in the end, you don't do much. So the person is in the church, he's working, starting a business, he's trying to be a millionaire, he's running after, remember what's the thing called? Bitcoin. Uh-huh. He's running after Bitcoin, 
<laughs> Please, which is a financial system that we don't know about. Then he's running after men's gold. And then he's also running after cars that they are exporting. Look, and then you, the pastor, you are looking for him. <laughs> when you are looking for him on Sunday afternoon to now spend an extra hour training him, he will not be anywhere. He has gone to chase his Bitcoin money. Or gone to chase his gold somewhere. <laughs> or gone to run after something. Don't spend your energy like that. Let him lead his time. I pray that after getting these few points, you will be able to pick out a few people. Don't be discouraged if there are only five to start with. Bring up those five. The next time you look, you will find another five. Hallelujah. And keep on teaching them. That's why we have brought all these materials to you. It's a lot of material that you can use to share and to teach your people. You can start right from their being born again. Check everything. And then through to their quiet time, there's a book on that. Various, we have a book there. One of my favorites is the handbook on the memorization of scriptures. Because nowadays, people don't seem to memorize scriptures. Hallelujah. I've seen it, don't worry. I know it is. Bible memorization handbook. Why? Because there are scriptures people should know, but they don't know. If you are under 30, you are inside. Under 30 years, you are inside. I'm saying this because those of us who got born again years ago, there was no book to help us to memorize anything. You open the Bible, you know you must learn some scripture, and you learn it. You learn it. We even used to have a game. It's called I Quote, You Quote. So when I quote one, then you quote one, I quote one, you quote one, I quote one, then the one who, uh, <laughs> you go out, uh, one person cannot quote again, then hey, you have won. But nowadays, it's not like that. Apart from John 3.16, many, even that one, you have to help them to quote it. Many don't know anything. So when you gather your pineapple patch, you need a book like this, that has just pulled out a lot of essential scriptures, chapter, you know, book of the Bible by book of the Bible. And then you start to drill them to learn it. So that at least some bank of scriptures, uh, yeah, in the stomach. Yeah, to some of the people only are placed in the stomach. <laughs> There's nothing deep down there. But a book like this, and you see, when you have a book like this, Remember, as you are teaching them, you are also training your next level of leaders. So you can give the scripture memorization to your next level of leader to train them. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. Then you are, you are also you are watching how he's doing them. It's a way of also teaching him to teach. Hallelujah. And I believe that the Lord will help us to build strong stronger ministries that are moving forward. Shall we rise up and pray for another few minutes? Hallelujah. You just want to pray. This time the prayer topic is that you are praying for leaders. You are praying to be able to find your pineapple patch. That group of people that you will spend some time with. Extra time. You want to spend extra time with them, teaching them. Please lift up your voice and let's pray. Lift it up and let's pray. Lift it up and let's pray. You're praying for your pineapple patch. 
Show us the people, Lord. Show us the people. Those who you have sent to us to help us. The Aaron's and the hairs. Those who are to hold up the right hand and the left hand of the man of God. Show them to us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let us not hop over them. Let us not disregard them. Show them to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Show them to us in the name of Jesus. Shabra Grant us the grace, O God, to bring them up, Lord, as they ought to be brought up in the name of Jesus. Help us to bring them up in Jesus' name. Let them be brought up to understand the way. And to do the work, O oh God. Let them be brought up, O oh God, to cause your work to move faster. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. We give you praise, O oh God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seat for one minute. Hallelujah. I just want to quickly show you a few books that, because now that you have your pineapple patch, what are you going to be sharing with them? What are, or should I say, what are you going to share with them that is in addition to the preaching that you have been preaching? The first book I want to talk about now is the book called, this one, Many Are Called. The scripture says, Many Are Called few are chosen. By the time you've taken them through this book, they'll begin to understand that God has an expectation. Now this book says, um, the table of context, many Christians are called. It goes on to show how different people were called. Amen? And then the characteristics of called people. Because they are, and then it says what it means to be called. Because many people have some high ideas. You know, they think that unless I'm high up there doing something, I am not called. And they cannot see that God calls a lot of ordinary people to do a lot of special things for him. Amen. So by the time you've gone through this book, you would have been through a lot of the scriptures, which will help them to sit well. The scripture, for instance, Ephesians 2.10, which starts the book, which talks about the fact that we are God's workmanship. Are you seeing it? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. What are the good works? And you tell them, I've brought you here so that you begin to do your good works. So by the time you've covered this book, they are with you in spirit. Amen. And then, you now can take them through this one. This book begins to now talk about the things in the church that they can help to do. The actual work. That they can do and it shows how first of all they must begin to understand that what they are doing is nothing special because every baby that is born is born then it begins to crawl begins to walk begins to run there's an expected growth growth curve in the same way in the scriptures the bible says in hebrews 5 12 it says for when for the time you ought to be teachers 
you have need that someone should teach you again the first principles of the word of God. So you share with them that God has an expectation of everybody that at a certain point in our growth, we are influencing others and teaching others. Not, not from your pulpit. Your pulpit is your own. Hallelujah. But other people that they are meeting, they are expected to rise up and to grow. And you share things like that from them. There's a chapter in this book, the ministry, work or rest. A lot of people think that it is only their spare time that they should give to God. You know, but then they begin to understand that the ministry of God is actually work. And it's something that is expected of them. So, by the time you are getting through this book, you are beginning to get some very good um, workers in the, in the Lord. And then you can share with them from also from... PVCI, transform your pastoral ministry. What kind of, of, of um, work do we want them to do? A lot of the work is prayer work. Uh, and we need additional prayer times. Not only the prayer time that comes from being together in church. Amen? Not only that prayer time. I, I would like to say to you that... <laughs> let, let me say this. That... The world has gone through, uh, technology is running fast. You can lead prayer meetings on your phone. Amen. Eh? Oh, it's true. You lead the prayer meeting on your phone. You make a WhatsApp group. The people on the WhatsApp group are from your pineapple patch. I wake my people up 2 o'clock every morning. I put the message there. Who is awake? If you are awake, show my hand. Then the hands begin. I look and I see only 10. I said, pick your phone, call somebody call somebody, then I begin to see hands coming. Then first message, pa, we are praying on this. We pray for some time. I'm also praying. After some 30, 40 minutes. Are you there? <laughs> then you begin to see that the hands are doing... Uh, Say, call somebody, prayer topic number two. You know what is happening? I am noticing over time, more and more are awake. More and more of them are awake. So they are told the night before. Hallelujah. So even as I am here, they will get a message like that. I don't have to be in the same town. If you are waiting till you are in the same town, everything will come late. So while I am here, tonight, they will get, as soon as I finish here, I will send a message. We are praying tonight. We are praying tonight. From 8 to 11. Arrange yourself. Arrange yourself means finish what you are doing, get home, do whatever. 8 o'clock. I go online. But are you there? Your location, please. Then we start. You know, you may, you, you see, the phone can be a distraction or it can be a tool, and it's up to you to use it. It is true. There are times you just switch it off and put it in the corner and have your own prayer times. But I'm talking now about bringing up your people. Please, so let's let us be real. The people they don't pray. Oh. <laughs> they don't pray. Many Christians, apart from those two hours you have. Friday night in the church. They don't pray. Until you say, let's have all night. Oh, pastors. I said, Even that one. How many come? When they come, they are now coming to stretch and sleep well. Oh, it doesn't happen in your church. Please, you watch. And the ones who dance the hardest when they praise. They are the ones who sleep well. They don't just sleep. They sleep well. After dancing, they have sweated. Energy you know, The energy is over. And they'll go and sit in their chair. And, uh, 
But these are just additional ways, at least some additional prayer will be God. Hallelujah. So teach your people to pray. Amen. Don't believe them at all. Or they will do a lot of uh, spiritual gymnastics. Don't be impressed. When they come, ah, don't be impressed, Master. She there's nothing inside. <laughs> Hallelujah. So lead them to pray. Tell them that you must come on the page. I need to see you. I need to see your hand up that I'm awake. Tell them, wake another person. We are praying. We are praying. We are praying. And over time, it begins to really flow. It begins to flow. Amen. Then also, as you are training them, let them be your visitation team. Send them to people in twos, in threes. Visit every member in your church once or twice a week, a year. Everybody must be visited. Not because they are sick. Not because they are bereaved. Nothing. Pastor, you, are, you love them. Just send somebody to visit. Amen. And then the mega church. All these are materials for which to go through the mega church. You need a camp. Pastor, you yourself, you need to be on it. Read through. We even have some... Uh, did we bring those? Maybe you can contact Reverend Michael. We have some, some camps we can share with you. A whole camp you listen from this book. And then you go and have a camp with your people. And you bring them up. I tell you, you'll be happy after some time. Amen. It is worth the investment in time. The last thing that I would like to say today, I want to say that as pastors, our prayer life is also under attack. Our prayer life is under attack. Um, with so many things that are going on. So I just want to say to you what my bishop said to me. He said, each day, try and pray three hours. How will you get those three hours? You have to force. That's why we do what we call watch and pray. Do we fall asleep sometimes? Believe me, we do. But generally speaking, over a period of time, you realize you have prayed more. So try and get home early. Set your alarm. Wake up. And set that alarm to go every 30 minutes. So that even if you have dropped off, you will wake up. Generally. <laughs> but Reverend, is it not true? You are alone there at 2 o'clock in the morning. Who better? Yeah, who better? You know, so if you sleep, then the thing will ring again. Oh, sorry. Uh, Lord, where was I? <laughs> so that is one. Secondly, every month, find three days to go and be alone with him. Find three days to be alone with him. Every pastor must have their hideaway somewhere you can be. And that's when you kill the phone. That one day, tell no matter what is happening, if even Ghana is uh, disappearing, don't call me. Okay, unless there's a serious crisis, don't call me. Let only your nearest know where you are and have some time. I thank God that nowadays you see that around the country, there are so many places you can go just to pray. Just to pray. And I believe that God will have mercy on us. So, for can I end now? Thank you very much. <laughs> wow. We Thank you for listening to Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce. We believe you have had an encounter that will change your life. Keep listening to messages by Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce of the First Love Church Ahidiasi. For more information, live video messages and updates, please visit our Facebook page, Dr. Joy Bruce. God bless you.
Welcome to the Joy Bruce Audio Podcast. Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce is a blessed daughter of Bishop Dag Heward Mills and the pastor of the First Love Church, Adiasi. These messages contain practical wisdom that will transform you and provide focus and direction for your life. Listen and be blessed as she shares with you wisdom from the Word of God. Be around to answer those questions. Any question, anything at all about ministry, about your life, about your your calling, anything, God will use it to minister. Yes. Let me see by hand. Anyone? It could be questions on the things we heard. Okay, Reverend Asigbeche. Want to ask a question. It comes to a time when you are pastor, you are hard hit. Hard hit. <laughs> I don't know whether you are you have so much hard hit. And everything around you seems to be discouraging. In fact, <laughs> what should you do? <laughs> wow. Hmm. So for this question. Hmm. What you are saying is really true. So for saying that you get to a point you have been so hard hit. What should you do? Sometimes, if you don't take care, the devil will convince you you were not called from the word go, you made a mistake. I would like to say that when such a time comes, first of all, you need to find the reason why. Why? Why are you in that situation? It can be a number of things. First of all, it can be because of an unwise decision that you made. Why am I saying this? For example, if you have grown your church and you have done things that, like for example, you have put your property together with the church's property and now somebody has risen up and is fighting with you. Things like that can really demoralize you. It can also be because you had somebody there who you trusted, who you shouldn't have trusted. And the person has done things that have shocked you. I want to say to you that first of all, each one of us must have somebody we can talk to. Somebody who can encourage us. Somebody senior to us. If you are at the top and there's nobody else like that, take a time away and go to the Lord with it. Amen. If it is a human being, you need forgiveness. It doesn't mean the person must stay there. No. But you need to forgive the the, the person. There was a time in my life when I went through a situation like that and my spiritual father was not happy with me. He had sacked me because of certain things and somebody had gone to add wood and petrol and uh, what matches and <laughs> everything to worsen my case. So I had now come to the place where I wasn't, I, I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting in my husband's church and I remember as I went through that situation one night, one Sunday morning, the devil came to church. And as I sat there, I could hear his voice clear. Useless. That's what you have become. Totally useless. What, what are you doing in the church? Absolutely nothing. Everything you used to do. Can you see how your children are doing it? Can you not see? This one is handling the children. Can you not see? This one you brought up is doing the praise and worship. Useless. You are finished. I tell you, that day, that was when I believed that Satan, he comes to church. (laughs) 
he comes to church. The praise and worship leader was singing. And you see, the, the, the whole thing was so strong to me. I remember the song. The words of the song said, Oh my soul, do you not know? Have you not heard? It's been told from the beginning. The Lord your God is on your side. Hey! I jumped to my feet. You see, they were doing praise and worship. Me, I was sitting because I was so demoralized and so finished. I didn't even want to be in church. I jumped up and I began to sing that song. And then the Lord led me to the scripture in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. In that scripture, it talks about loving those who hate you. It talks about caring for them. But the part that struck me, it says, pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you. And so I began to pray for that guy who had added petrol and wood and fire to my already bad situation. And as I prayed, in fact the first day I prayed it was through tears. It was so painful to be praying for somebody who your mind towards the person is not good. But what happened to me was that as I prayed for him, the pain, it just went. It just went. And I remember um, Bishop Saki was aware of all that was going on. That's why I said that sometimes it helps that somebody senior knows. And he had called me one night, very late in the night. When I picked the phone, he said, ah, why are you awake? I said, my bishop, you know that I cannot sleep. What is going on? I cannot sleep. And then he said, have hope. Keep hope alive. One day, you will be happy that this thing has happened. When he said it, Reverend, I was like, you say I will be happy for this (laughs) miserable situation but time has passed and his words have come true his words have come true you will come through the difficulty and you will rise up again but look you know sometimes you need to close off what is depressing you there are some people sometimes you need to just move away from them don't discuss the issue with them again others you need to come into your church and say to the back <laughs> you need to come and say, Ruby, walk out. <laughs> but we come there, and who your friends are is a very important, yeah, somebody who will believe with you and make some time get away to be alone with God, and He will give you the strength to return. Thank you. <laughs> Any other? Any other questions about yourself, about your ministry, your call? All right. Hallelujah. As for me, I'm not a pastor. I'm (laughs) just a member. So I want to ask a question. Okay, if you are a member and you realize that you are having some feelings to enter into ministry. You, you are working around the clock, but your work and your engagement, you can't get time. And you can't even... The question is, should you go and tell your pastor that, oh, I want to join ministry? Or should you pray that God himself to reveal it to him? Or should you wait that let things work out the way God wants it to be? How should you go about it? I think a lot depends on your church. If I was in this church, I'll come and tell my pastor. 
I'm saying that because there are some churches where maybe the church hasn't developed to open up that way. So you may not know. So it depends very much on where you are. But one thing I know is that you shouldn't sit down waiting. As for that, because you can sit down before you are aware you are 75 years old and your whole life has passed. What I would say is that where you are in the church and the thing that has been given to do, do it with all your might, with all your strength, with all your heart. Start from there. Hallelujah. Start from there. I never knew that one day I would hold a microphone to address people. I was called by my pastor. I was a student and I was asked at the time I was married, I had one child and I was asked to go and look after little children. I was given six babies to look after. Hey, Reverend, Nenyo. Six babies. And I'm not, you know, some people are baby. I'm not like that. The first meeting, I don't know who cried more, the babies or me. Hey. And the church service suite wasn't ending. Three hours. But <laughs> so for three hours, I had six babies all in pampas and I didn't know what to do with them. But I always believe that you should do whatever has been given to do to you with all your heart. So I began to pray about it. Every day I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I used to pray for the children. I began to pray for the meeting that, you know, I would have to have with them. Because I have them with me throughout the church service. Then I was a, I was a student doing my doctorate at the time. And one Friday night I had gone to the lab. I was going to spend the whole night in the lab because I was working overnight with my data. And while I was there, waiting to work on the next sample that will come, I was just walking around praying. Walking around praying. It was the first time I remember hearing a voice. And the voice said, take a sheet of paper. I looked. I was alone in the place. Take a sheet of paper. So I quickly went to a table. I pulled a sheet of paper. And then it was like a person speaking. From 9 o'clock to 10 past 9, do this. I wrote it. 9.10 to this. By the time the voice stopped speaking, I had what was a blueprint to handle a small children's meeting from 9 o'clock in the morning till 12.30. Suddenly, I couldn't wait to get to church to apply what I had heard. And as I applied it, instead of us being seven people in one room crying, it now became that when the parents are coming for them, they are crying that they don't want to go. Yeah. You know, and this was with the baby. So the next step, my pastor now said, oh, go and look after the toddlers. I have graduated from babies to toddlers. Then from the toddlers, I was sent to the, what do you call them? These children who are in between 9, 10, 11. And from then to the uh, teenagers. And then I came back to Ghana. And when I came back to Ghana, I was put to work with the youth. Are you seeing it? So I didn't start. I, in fact, I never thought I would be doing anything. It's just that everything that I was given, Lord, let me do it with all my heart. So when I came back home and I was given young people to work with, I decided that I'm their pastor. Oh, even though I was not a pastor then, I, I'm just, yeah, that's of mommy or whatever you say. But I will pray for them. We'll do fasting. I will take them out. We, we, we had a good time. We had a good time. Today, one of them is a major lawyer in town. I have not seen her for some years. And she came to me and she said, Do you remember you laid hands on me? And you said, Khadija, you will be a lawyer. You will be a lawyer. She said, I'm in the law school. I'm waiting. They've called her to the bar. I told her, I'll wear a big hat and I'll come. Hallelujah. What am I saying? Do your best where you are. And you see that God. So I believe that the Lord was speaking to my pastor. I don't know if you see what I'm... Yeah. Then one day I was there. 
And then he said, have you seen the books? Start moving with them. I almost said books. Hey, to do what to? I had seen others working with it, but I never thought. And I'm here today. Um, lady minister growing up how can you build your ministry as a lady in the midst of much men and also how will you develop your ministry from the um, from infant as in how to grow from where you are from stage one to a level that you want to reach the bible says that you know the question you ask, you ask is a very vital one because we live in a certain context. I think, first of all, that one should never forget that one is a lady. Yeah, we should never forget it. And, and, and it is something, when I say don't forget it, don't remember it in such a way that it hinders you. But remember it in such a way that it will always make you speak with um, gracious, graciously. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. For example, a man can come and point to another man and say, hey, you, that's that. You are a lady. In our context and culture, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. However, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Ghost, there's neither man, male nor female, Jew nor Greek. And so to the degree that you allow him to use you, to that degree, he will use you and he will take you forward as a lady. And I think that it is, some, it is a way that others have gone before and we can learn from them. We can learn from them. I have a lot of men in my church and all the older men, regardless of what they do as a profession, I will talk, I always add the, the title before. Oh, Mr. This, Mr. That. So I may even be calling you by your first name, Mr. John. Mr. It's just a sign of respect. It's just a sign of respect because I think that we need to understand the way things work. But that is also not an excuse to say we cannot do because that's what a lot of people also do. They say that because I'm a lady, I cannot do. It's not true. It's not true. The Holy Spirit will use you if you allow him. As for the steps to growing is the same. Whether you are a man or a female, a male or female, is the same prayer, is the same depending on God, is the same following the Holy Spirit, is the same obeying your spiritual father. The same things that will help you to grow. Amen. When you find yourself in an area that you are being intimidated by the audience, how will you manage it to become confident? Just keep doing it. Yeah. Just keep, just keep doing it. That's why I was telling you that your reverend is precious to me because in the earlier days of this ministry, I used to feel so intimidated. But I was encouraged by a man who would allow me to just come and to speak. And I remember some mornings I'll wake up and I'll spend my spiritual father a text and I'll say, I am dying. <laughs> I am dying. But I have learned to just rely on the Holy Spirit and to say that, Lord, it is not about me. It is not about you. It is about him. And even among the men, they will also tell you that we are not perfect. All of us is the Holy Spirit. So depend on Him. He is so dependable and He really will make a difference. Later, when people say it was very good, I'm very surprised. Because as I'm coming, I'm dying. But I haven't died. <laughs> Let's see. Too. Wow. Any two more? 
any two more, then we start going to buy the books. Any two more? Any two more? You still want to ask? Mom, here lies the case. You have a dream, or the Lord revealed to you about a vision, and uh, you are under a senior pastor. How will you bring? How will you give birth to this vision? You don't even know how to go about it. How, how will you do it? But it kept coming. How will you give birth to this vision? I think that I would pray about it, and then I will go and have a discussion with my senior pastor. Yeah. I will keep praying to be sure that I'm on the right path. And sometimes as you pray, you'll see that God is just saying, hold on, you just keep praying. Other times you'll be surprised when you get there, your pastor was already thinking in a certain way concerning you. And I need to say that it's not only the ladies who have that one, even the young men. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, thank you, Mommy. Please, I would like to know how you were able to manage ministry with being a virtuous woman because I know you are a loving mother. How were you able to handle the two? You mean family and. Yes, Mr. Ministry. (sighs) Yeah. I, I think that I need to say that um, a lot depends on you and a lot depends on should I say a lot depends on your spouse as well yeah a lot depends on your spouse as well so I often tell the ladies that before you marry you must be careful who you marry yeah if the man believes that he will not allow you to do anything then you should know that this is not a place to go but having said that I think that we live a life of balance. We need to balance it. And that is where the, the Holy Spirit is our guide. Yeah. Even, I mean, I move a lot. But before I go, I need my husband's okay. I need, even this morning, I asked him to pray for me before I go. When my children were younger, I probably could not do, go as far. So I did a lot of things that were um, in the, you know, around in church within the church context and now as an older lady I can move like this because all my children are grown my first son is 28 he's married he has his own home and my second son third one they are all students in the university but when holidays are coming I will yeah I change a little bit and my husband is also a minister so we try so that um, our travels coincide I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say yeah, I know he's going to be away for some period of time I go and come uh-huh. I go and come then when we are in town when we are to, in town together I really arrange my life after him so for instance if you come to my house, I can be talking to you, and then my husband has come. I'll tell you, my husband is in, I'm going. And I'll actually go. Now, dear, as he has come, all yours, what do you want? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. I will not continue the conversation or continue. I can even be cooking, I'll pause it and say, We shall continue this one later. He has come. So, as he has come and he's going, I, I follow, and I'm there. I'm there. So that I don't. The lines will cross sometimes. And when they cross, I only move with his okay. He has to agree. If he expresses a doubt, I have had um, travels I cancelled because he didn't feel okay about it. Or he didn't feel that. 
And there are also things I have done because he has said, I think you should do. Yeah. So I think that that thing of recognizing your husband as your head is, is very, very important. Yeah. However, if you get into the place where you are not allowed to minister at all, it may cost you your marriage. And it has cost some people like that. That's what I'm saying. That just be careful who you marry. Most men, if you keep things running and you entreat, they will allow. And they will, within certain... Oh, gentlemen, am I saying the correct thing? Yeah. There are very few men who get up and say, no, 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 I will not allow you to serve God. Very few, Christian. Very few. I will not allow you to serve God. No. Sometimes when you see that, it's because of some neglect in the house. Something that's not being done. So you need to really overcome that. And you overcome it by working hard, working fast, doing your best. Is it hard? Sometimes it is. I had many years in my life where my number one wish in life was that I would sleep a full night. That I would get a night that I would lie down myself, sleep, and wake up myself. But I thank God. Children grow. <laughs> okay. Oh, do a better one unto Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce. We believe you have had an encounter that will change your life. Keep listening to messages by Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce of the First Love Church Ahidiasi. For more information, live video messages and updates, please visit our Facebook page, Dr. Joy Bruce. God bless you. Joy to